Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. It's going to be all right. I want you to look at someone right now, take their hand. I don't even care if you know them or not. Take their hand and say, it's going to be all right. Look in their eyes, just tell them that, right? I want you to reach, tap someone on the shoulder, turn around and say, it's going to be all right. Come on. All right, someone over here, stand up and let everybody over here know it's going to be all right. Come on. Someone tell them it's going to be all right. Yeah. All right, come on. Someone over here, tell them it's going to be all right. All right, everybody here, you look, you look left or right and say, it's going to be all right. Come on. I want everybody who's watching online, I just want you to hear, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. He's an awesome God, isn't he? It's going to be all right. Happy Father's Day. Absolutely. You got to give it up for the dads, man. Dads are cool. I'm one of them. I think, I think you might appreciate this. I don't know if you saw this in the news or not. You know, this COVID thing, uh, it seems to have its ebb and flows. Have you noticed that? So there's some highs or some lows and it. it seems like it comes back again. Well, in Massachusetts, if you didn't see this, Authorities found on their turnpike there just outside of Boston 200 dead crows that were along the highway. And of course, obviously the great concern was, is it now really affecting animals? Is the ripple effect, I mean, is this thing really just, I mean, we're just in the front end of it. It could be getting worse. Well, I just want you to know there is a relief to the fact that they confirmed that the problem is not COVID, but the cause of death appeared to be by vehicles. That would make sense. But why just in this area? That's the part that was baffling them now. And so they brought in an expert who did some detailed analysis and it was noted that varying colors of paint appeared on the bird's beaks and their claws. What they found was that by analyzing the paint residues, it was determined that 98% of the crows have been killed by the impact of trucks, while only 2% were killed by the impact of cars. Now, for you car people, you may not know this. I did not know this. But that baffled them only for a moment when they found that when they paint trucks, they use a different pigment than when they paint a car. How many knew that? My dad shared this story with me because he, he said, Keith, you got to hear this. I worked with GM. Most of your family, it makes no sense. Well, the Massachusetts Turnpike Authority hired, if you will, an animal behaviorist to try to figure this out and determine that the cause for the disportionment of the percentage between trucks versus cars, they quickly concluded this. You see, when crows eat, you know this right here in, 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 in South Dakota, when crows eat along the road, they eat in groups. You've seen that, right? Okay. But there's always a lookout crow. 
Just like if you know uh, in deer and in antelope, there's always that lookout crow nearby on a tree or a power line warning them of any and all impending danger. And here's what they discovered. The professionals concluded that while all the lookout crows could say, caw, caw, none of them could say, truck, truck. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming. Happy Father's Day. I did not know that, but it makes sense, doesn't it? I've never heard one go, truck, truck, you know. (laughs) So, okay. (laughs) Legos are amazing. How many have ever played with Legos? All right, they're amazing. And I thought I would would share some with you in setting up what we're going to talk about. If you're a guest, we're in a series all summer talking about rethink. This is a moment of rethink. And I want to say to anyone who's watching online, if there's a fear still set in, I want to encourage you to move through that fear. Now, please, please hear this. When the word of God was written and God spoke through Moses, the first and foremost command was what? Love the Lord thy God. I'll have no other gods. The second thing he said was, this is a command of God. The second thing he said was, keep the Sabbath day holy. And if there's one thing that we have failed in this country is that we think it's our day. And I want to encourage you, please hear this. I understand COVID makes us realign our lives and and we've reconfigured some things. And I know with technology, it's easy to stay in front of a screen right now. Please hear, I'm not, I am not negative here. I'm not mad. I'm not judging or anything, but the body of Christ needs you in the flesh. And if, and if you don't know that, you ready? You need them. And I want to encourage you. One of the things that's going to be really important as we move forward as God's people, you know, I don't like the word Christian. It's a word we're trying to get rid of, but as a follower of Jesus, rooms like this are so important once a week. They're, they're so important. And it says something to the world of what we're gonna talk about. And I just wanna encourage you, rethink that. Rethink it, it's worth it. Because what we're gonna talk about is huge. Legos are a big deal. They're absolutely an amazing deal. You can build amazing things with them. If you've been to the Mall of America, it's crazy. If you've been down to Disney, at downtown Disney, which now they call Disney Springs, by the way, you really want to learn this, We're going to be down there here in July again. And and when you go down there, if you call it uh, downtown Disney, they'll correct you. But see, I grew up with it being downtown Disney. So I call it downtown Disney. And I'm just kind of a little honored. They said, it's not downtown Disney. It's Disney Springs. And I'll look at them and I'll go, listen, where's the store at downtown Disney? And I I know it's probably not right. But anyway, (laughs) I want you to look at these right now. These are pretty amazing. Uh, Many of you know Pastor Brenton Morton. Norgard, who's on our staff, his son built these. It's absolutely crazy amazing. I want you to listen to this. Of course, you all know this is Liberty. Its number in the set of 3550, it was released in 2000. There are 2,882 pieces in this. 
It was actually the largest Lego set you could purchase at the time. So it's just crazy cool. He also built this one, and if I remember right, uh, Brent told me it took him about a year. He kind of do it off and on. There are 1,748 pieces. It's obviously the Rebel Blockade Road uh, Runner, if, you, if you've seen any of the Star Wars. It's Lego set number uh, uh, 110,019. It was released in 2001. <laughs> what do you think about that? In one year, how many sets have been created? And this thing is astronomical, true? Well, I want you to look at the screen. These are a couple that I built. Um, no. <laughs> okay. um, this, 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 this is a battleship. I call it church because that's, that's what we are, right? We're in a battle. But I want you to look at this. In this Lego set, I believe there are 250,000 Legos to create this. Here's another one. I want you to look at it. I believe uh, the number is, put it up on the screen. I believe it's 350,000 or 320,000 Legos. I call this one, church should buy for pastor, okay? <laughs> um, just, it, I, don't, I don't even know where that, I felt the spirit tell me that. Um, now check this one out. <laughs> I call this COVID. Um, anyway, <laughs> but look, check this. This is Legos, the little Legos, 2.5 million Legos. Where do you put that? The crazy things we can do with Legos. Now, I wanted to supersize this. This is the standard Lego, not, not size-wise, but the one that you see a lot that when you purchase a set. Okay, this is called the eight stud Lego. Here's what will shock you. With just a normal eight stud Lego. A mathematician did the work on this. And when it comes to six of these, if you just have six eight stud Legos, there are 915 million combinations. Think about that. Six. You have six. 915 and a little over that million combinations with just six of these. That's crazy. But what if I said, let's take out some Legos and create God. What would you do? What would you create? Some of you might go, that's ludicrous. Well, I'm going to inform you, you've been building him for quite some time. Did you know that? You've been building him for quite some time. And what you've been building is a big part of your life. In fact, it's everything about your life. That's where the problem comes in. You may not think so, but I want you to listen to this. I'm going to put something up on the screen. I want to come back to what I just said. But this is out of Psalm 145, and I want you to read it out loud with me, please. Look at the screen, read it with me. I will exalt you and praise your name forever. I will praise you every day, for great is the Lord. 
He is most worthy of praise. Now watch, read it with me. Who can measure his greatness? Who can measure his greatness? Did you know that in the NIV translation it reads, it cannot be fathomed? In the amplified version, it's, it's incomprehensible. St. Augustine said it this way, if you could or think you can, well, that's not God. I'll come back. This is a big deal because who and what you think God is determines everything in your life. Who and what you think God is determines everything in your life. Everything. Who you marry, why you marry, when you date, how you date, how you work, why you work, if you work. Everything to do. Your view on God. In fact, let, let me read you what Augustine writes. Whatever comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And you've been building it for a long time. You ever heard these statements? In the midst of loss? If he's such a loving God, then why did that happen? And your life now follows. God could never forgive me another brick in the building of your God. It's how you view the Sabbath. It's your view on tithing. It's your view on serving. It's your view on time management. It's your view on forgiveness. It's all determined on what you think and what you determine God to be. This is why today we need to rethink, we need to reevaluate, we need to reassess who and what God is. Amen? Now, I want to bring one more building of Lego out because I think it's really important for you to see it. Pastor Reed <laughs> likes Legos too. And so if he could come out here, I, I want him to put it up here. <laughs> set, set it right up here, buddy. I want to be very careful with it because uh, he calls this selfie. Um, <laughs> here, stand beside it. It's quite amazing, isn't it? Okay, so listen, Reed. I want, he, this took him like about two months to build. <laughs> I, I, I go by his office every... You obviously... Okay, and so I want to be careful with it. So here you go. 
thing. Oh, oh, oh man, I'm so sorry. I'm, and the walls come tumbling. It looks more like you now, I think. <laughs> okay, well, I'm sorry. All right. Happy Father's Day. You have your Bibles, I want you to go to Romans 8. Romans 8. Romans 8, if you would, and we're going to rethink our view of God. And I want to show you what the Bible says, because I think the Word of God should be the one that we consult. Would you agree with that? But to do this, I want to go back to the very first week, and I'm going to ask you one more time to bow your heads. Because, in fact, before you do, I want you to look up here, because I want to show you what stupid is, okay? You're looking at him. It's ludicrous to think somehow in my humanity I'm going to somehow capture God. Thus, if God doesn't show up, I'm sorry, you wasted your time and I failed. But I want to show you what the scriptures say because I think the word of God is truly eternal, heavenly. I believe it is all-powerful. I believe it's the truth that sets you free. But I want as much help as, man, I need all the help I can get. Amen? Amen. And we do too. So I'm going to ask that we bow our heads and let's go back to our word the first week. Repent. Father, I beg of you right now. God, I confess to you my complete inadequacy. On behalf of everyone in the room, I confess all our inadequacy. God, forgive us if there's someone so prideful, so full of themselves right now that they've postured themselves to be in defense. That alone tells me much, tells you much. They have no clue who you are. They just think they do. But the Bible says we don't have to think it. The Bible says we can know it. But that's going to require the Spirit we're not going to get the spirit unless we're repentive and broken. Unless we come to you first and foremost saying, God, I'm not you. I'm not worthy. There's nothing good in me. We desperately need you. And so God, I, I am going to commit to the promise that you said if we would seek you, we will find if we would humble ourselves, you would lift us up. And if we would cry to you, you would open up the floodgates of heaven. I ask for your spirit to be loose in this room. Around us, above us, below us, in us, through us, in every aspect. That your word would pierce us deeply. And we would grasp a new understanding of who you are. And if you prayed that and believed that, I'm going to ask you to Confirm with me. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Romans 8. Romans 8. Paul's letter to the church of Rome, to the followers in Rome. In the beginning parts of, the, of this chapter, he's literally telling the gospel message how grand it is. This amazing gift that Jesus was, is. And this unbelievable gift of the Spirit that now has been given to us by God Himself. He writes in verse 31, 
What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I want to pause there again. He just got done sharing the incredible gospel of the gift of what God gave us through Christ on the cross and the resurrection and the Holy Spirit that Jesus said was promised to those who would die to themselves and the Holy Spirit would enter in. And I, I, want, I want you to capture what Paul just said. These are not words. These are his heart. What shall I say? What can we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Come on. See, these aren't just words. This is a promise Paul's not penning something for the church in years to come. He's talking to the beloved now, right in the moment. This is a love letter. We use those words so often. Well, if God is for us, who can be against us? Paul's telling you. Oh my, you followers in Rome, as he's writing in prison. As he's writing, knowing that his days, at least this side of heaven, are few. The doctor has already told him he only has a few months to live. He already knows that in his spirit, that doctor being Dr. Jesus. And he says, I don't even know how to begin to describe to you these wonderful things. If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? May I add, what is your problem, people? Do you understand? God came, human skin, died on the cross, rose from the dead. This isn't about me. This isn't about we. This is about he. Amen. He's the conqueror. He's the victor. He's bigger. He's greater. Amen. I love what he says. Who dare accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? Chosen. God chose. No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he's sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we are persecuted? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we go hungry or we're destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Look at verse 37. Nah. Nah. Are you kidding me? Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. 
I just want to pause there for a moment because I don't understand the impotence of Christianity. I don't understand how people say I'm a follower of God, but they fail or even want to stand up and lift in Christ. They're more interested in getting fired from a job than being fueled up in their faith. I don't understand it. God is for us. Ain't nothing against us. I'm deciding if God's speaking to me right now. Because I want to be obedient to him. loves us. He loves us. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life. Neither angels nor demons. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell itself can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God as revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Whatever you think God is right now, that's your life. Whoever you think he is, that's your life. There's just Yahweh or your way. You know why Christians hold on to bitterness? That's their life because they don't believe that God has let go of theirs. However you live here is an absolute reflection of what's here. You and I were created in the image of God. You're either walking in him or away or without. I don't give a rip of what Washington says. I don't give a rip what Wall Street does. give a rip what government goes. I'm not saying that in rebelliousness. I didn't sell my soul to a country. I surrendered my soul to the one who built it. And my Bible says, and I'm going to keep saying it, and the government rests in his shoulders. Now there's people who want to take it and put it on their own. Good luck with that. And the reason they're going to navigate that they are, I'm not upset by it. They just don't know him. See, you can't walk in him and then ignore the word. You can't walk in him and think you have an opinion on it. You can't walk in him because the Holy Spirit will not allow you. It just won't work. 
That's why I say when you got two people that claim to be followers of Jesus, but they're upset with each other, they're not one or both of them are not walking in the spirit because the spirit of God only knows this. And you'll know that they are Christians by their love. (laughs) Jesus said that. He didn't go their Bible knowledge. He didn't say their gifts of the spirit. The world will know. You, you, You can see my disciples. Watch how they love one another. That's why I just want to share with you right now. If you've got brothers or sisters that you call Christian friends and they're talking about someone that's not in the room, you need to silence them. Because if you don't, you're in sin with them. Because your friendship with them matters more than their faith with him. That's just what Christians do. They just go, what are you doing? Stop. In fact, I'm going to call them and say, we need to all get together. No, you're not going to do it. Oh, yeah, I am. Because we, we, we fight, we fight for unity. It's not a convenience. We fight, we fight, we fight. Why? Because the lost world matters. And when Christians lay down their armor and not fight for what matters more, they're surrendering the witness of Christ and saying, listen, we're okay if you go to hell. And there's something wrong with that. But it all comes back to how we look at God. And so I want to give you What Paul just said, three things about God you need to know. We say them, they're pretty simple. I'm just not sure we get them. So here's the first ones. God's love is unconditional. Say that with me. God's love is unconditional, which means there's no strings attached to it. Like none. That's why we don't get it. Because our love is all about strings and then we let other people pull them. Isn't that true? See, when you don't surrender to God's love, you surrender yourselves to being a puppet. Instead of being in ministry, you're a marionette. And Satan goes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and guys go, man, what are you doing? Cut the strings. Why are you surrendering your life to other people? See, when you're bitter and unforgiving for someone else, please hear this, regardless of what they have done, you're still letting them be in control. You want to freak people out no matter how or what they ever done, forgive them. (laughs) Now you're in control. It like freaks them out like, huh? It's okay. <laughs> it just freaks them out. You got to let it go. You know, William Bennett was the former secretary of education. He tells a humorous story in his book, The Book of Virtues. He had attended a wedding where the vows had been changed to reflect a love of convenience. You know what I'm talking about? Those prenups. I love you so much. <laughs> Sign this because if you leave me, you're not getting this. <laughs> Right, you know, that's pretty much saying I don't love you. (laughs) All right, I mean, imagine like God sized a prenup with you. It was called the cross. I think in that one he lost. But if you'll surrender, now you win, right? But I love what he says. So he goes there, and they had all this, you know, about convenience. So he decided to send them a gift. He didn't give them the gift he had at first. 
He took it back and he sent them a gift that reflected their commitment. It was a package of paper plates. He said he figured the package would last about as long as the marriage one. <laughs> and he's right. I ain't giving you fine china when you stood before God and gave each other a conditional string attached love. You got to decide which table you want to eat at. I want to pork out at God's table, not picnic out in somebody else's. But this is going to be hard because in a world that we live, you have to earn everything, don't you? But God says, not on your life. But you can on mine. There's no condition. This is what Paul meant when he wrote in Ephesians 2, for it is by God's grace that we are saved. Do you know what the word grace is? It's the word charis. C-H-A-R-I-S. Meaning a gift. Watch this. It means a gift that can only be distributed by God himself for our benefit. It's also where we get the word favor. Now, I don't know about you, but I think God did us all a favor when he gave us Jesus. Amen? Amen. Only God can do that. See, that's why as you and I, as called followers of Christ, we can extend grace. We can only let it channel through us. That's why when Christians do stuff, it just don't make sense. That's why I said forgiveness just messes with them. Because it's like, why would you do that? Well, I can't, but God says he can, and it's okay. But I took like a million bucks from you. That's all right. Here's my bank account. Take another if you need it, you know. I mean, whoopee dang, it's just money. I love you. Whoa, What? See, that's what God did to us, didn't he? Oh, we're going to talk about sin next week. It'll probably be empty. <laughs> so, all right. That's okay. We have your picture. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not a perfect dad. I know that shocks you, but I'm not. It's hard for me to go happy Father's Day sometimes because I'm, I'm very well aware of the shortfalls when it comes to Jordan, Jaden, and Jackson. This might surprise some, but my kids aren't perfect either. Oh, I'm sure there's probably a few of you going, oh, I know about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Just remind you, God knows about you too. But I want everybody to look up here. I don't care what my kids have ever done. I'm their daddy, and I love them with everything I got. How much greater is God's love for you and I? Not even the angels or demons themselves can separate. I just see God going, these are my kids. I love them no matter what. I love them. Isn't that what he said in the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. God, forgive. God says, happy to. Happy. Honored. Honored. This is why I love the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. 
You, you know the story? Maybe you don't, but it's about a father, a father who has two boys. He has an older one, he has a younger one. The younger one comes to dad and says, listen, dad, I don't want to live here anymore. I'm paraphrasing, but it's really what's going on. Because in Jewish history, you never gave the heir anything that was rightful to them until the father's dead. So what the boy is saying is, dad, I wish you were dead. I don't want to live here anymore. I don't live here anymore. Can I have what's mine before you die? And the father says, sure. And the boy takes off and he lives it up well. Oh my goodness, he's having time in life. And by the way, I want you to listen to this. Life outside of God is fun. Sex outside of marriage, fun. Getting drunk, fun. I don't know, but that's what they tell me. It don't look fun. Where are you at? You know, I mean, it's weird, but it's fun. Jumping out on Highway 11 and letting everybody know that you have nothing under the hood, but you think they do? And you got to go racing down the street, fun! Trying not to get caught, fun! If it wasn't, no one would do it. Here's the problem with it. It may be fun, it's never fulfilling. See, that's the lie. Satan knows it. That's why he plays on us. Your father doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just keeping from all, he's old fashioned. He's old school. He sings those hymns at church. When's the last time you ever been? Turn the radio on and dial into the hymns. Kids like, man, dad ain't got a clue. We listen to the hot stuff like rap. <laughs> you ever seen those cars going down the road? You're like, where's it coming from? It takes like 15 minutes. You were actually hearing it about eight blocks away. You know, they're in the garage. They didn't pull out. You know, and they pull up and there's a, you know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? And it's like an 82 year old lady. It's like, wow, grandma. Woo! You know what? You know what I'm talking about? Sin outside of the father is fun but it's not fulfilling. And so the father says, go have your fun. And he has his fun. But fun never lasts. I think it's the problem in the American church because most churches have been built on entertainment and so when the entertainment wears out, you have to go to another church that's doing the new, creative, brand new thing. Well, didn't the Bible say his mercies are fresh every day? You don't get it. It's an old rugged cross. Can I tell you what I love about marriage? Is not when I got married. It's meeting the couples who are celebrating 50, 60 years of marriage. I want to be like that. But we're not in it for the long haul because it's not fun. Celebrating ain't fun anymore. They used to do fun stuff. But it's not fulfilling. But you know why you pick up and you have to go looking for the new thing? Because you're still looking for fun. See, when you get God's love, it's a game changer. 
You don't even care about anything else anymore. It's just so fun walking in God's love because there's no strings attached. What I love about the story of the prodigal is when the prodigal loses everything because you always lose everything in fun, God will make sure of that. By the way, so will the devil. Because see, what started out is getting drunk. The devil now does this. How stupid are you? You know, he's the one that said, what does the father know? All the fun's over there. Look at all the kids. Look how fun they're having. You're missing out. Okay. And then you get over here, right? And then the devil says, wow, what a loser. Look how stupid you look. Now you have to drink to drown that pain. Because you don't know the father. Because you stop and go, there's no way he'll forgive me. And God's going, no. That's the parable of the prodigal. Because when the son's coming home, guess who's waiting? Daddy. And you know what I love about it? It's crystal clear. The father could care less where the boy had been. He could care less what the boy had done. He's now right where he needed to be all the time. Home. Let's party. But there's an older brother. There's an older brother out in the barn. He won't want to come in. Do you know who the older brother represents? The church. Oh, I've heard it. Oh, they don't tell me. It just comes through. Wow, look how much attention they're giving him. That dude was a, this dude's a drug addict and alcoholic, man. I haven't done anything like that. That's unfair. You need to understand something about God's fair. He's not. See, here, let me tell you another thing you'll read in a leadership book. You ever heard this? It takes a lifetime to build a life. It just takes one bad decision to wreck it. You ever heard that? Okay. Who are you living for in that one? It ain't here. And I think so many people in the professional world read the leadership book and they'd rather be a great leader than a great lordship. And so they learn how to mask themselves and they learn how to do it because they built a life. See, COVID didn't invent the mask. People have been wearing those for a long time. And so you make that one decision... See, there it is. They make that one. Look how much they did. Whoa, that one decision. They fall from grace from the world's eyes. Can I tell you about God? You can spend a lifetime making all the bad decisions. Make the one to surrender your life to God and you'll spend eternity with him forever. <laughs> you don't care what man thinks. You know, in Max Licato's book, in Max Lucado's book, In the Grip of Grace, love it. He tells the story of Jeffrey Dahmer. Some of the younger people may not know this, but out in Milwaukee, there was a guy that would actually kill people and then he would eat their body parts. True story. His name's Jeffrey Dahmer. Went to prison for it. When they raided his apartment, they found a human heart in his refrigerator. You can't, you think this is the most grossest thing you could ever imagine. 
But they say when he was in prison, he surrendered his life and gave it to Jesus Christ. And you know what Max Plato says? If that's true, he's in heaven. And he goes, it's not fair, is it? And some of you are struggling with it right now. But that's why I tell you, good people don't go to heaven. Bad people do who recognize it. But the father loved his boy's home. I don't care where he's been. I don't give a rip. My love isn't conditional. Let's party. His boy, brother won't come in. He goes out to his brother and says, what are you doing? Your brother's home. And he says this. He never threw a party for me. His dad's like, what are you talking about? You've been in the church all your life? You could have partied every day. Everything I got is yours. That's because we don't understand the unconditional love of God. Folks, there's nothing we can do or need to do to get God to love us a little more. And there's absolutely nothing that we have done or will ever do that he will love you any less. God loves you. He loves you. I love, what, I love what Paul wrote in Ephesians. He says, it's a wonder God didn't do away with a whole lot of us. But instead, immense in mercy with an unconditional love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Jesus Christ. Come on. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. <laughs> That's the book for me. I'll stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. <laughs> God loves you. Look at someone right now and say, God loves you. <laughs> he loves you. Here's number two. God's love is unimaginable. Say that with me. God's love is unimaginable. Paul said that in Ephesians 3. To know the love of Christ, to know it, surpasses all understanding. How can you, how do you, how do you make sense of he who knew no sin became my sin so that I might be his child, his righteousness? Someone explain that to me. A perfect God Send his son to become unbelievably imperfect with my sin so I could be perfect in him. That makes no sense. That makes no sense to me. Tony Campolo in his book, The Kingdom of God is a Party, you might know this story, tells a story. He lives out in St. David's, Pennsylvania, so we're talking out east. He has to speak in Hawaii. You all know there's time changes? Well, he can't deal with this eternal time clock and so unable to sleep, middle of the night, he decides to go for a walk. Has anybody ever done that? I've done that. I can't sleep. Just go for a walk. When he finds one of those greasy spoon diners that's still open, you know what I'm talking about? Where it's better to eat on the floor than on the table, you know? Okay. <laughs> it's 3 a.m. in the morning. He's the only person in there except for the guy who owns it. He finds out later behind the counter. He orders a burger, makes some small talk until 3.30 Soon as 3.30 comes, 
the door opens and everything changes. A group of five hookers walk in. They sit down at a table behind him. And one of them begins telling the other that tomorrow's her birthday. And she had never had a birthday party in her entire life. I want you to think about that. Please don't laugh at this. I'd become a hooker too. See, I, I get it when people will do just about anything for love when they've never known it. Why do we judge it? About 30 minutes, they get up and leave. That's when Tony says, I had an idea. He discovered the one girl who was having a birthday. Her name was Agnes. He learned that they come in every evening at the exact same time. So he looked at the guy behind the counter and says, let's throw a birthday party for Agnes. The man behind the counter thought it was an odd request, but also thought it was a great idea. He said, I'll bake a cake. It's my specialty. Tony had words for that, but didn't go there. Here's how Tony describes what happened. At 2.30 the next morning, I came back to the diner. I'd picked up some crepe paper decorations. I made a sign that read, Happy Birthday, Agnes. And I had no idea that word got out. But at 3 o'clock, every prostitute in Honolulu was packed in this diner. He says, a little strange for me. I've never been in that position as a pastor just me and all these hookers. <laughs> but I had everybody ready. At 3.30 in the morning, those five hookers walked in, Agnes in the front, and when the door opened, everybody screamed, happy birthday. And we began to sing. Never have I seen a person so flabbergasted. Her mouth fell open. Her legs buckled. And when we finished singing, tears began to flow down her cheeks. When the man behind the counter brought out the cake he had baked, she started to sob. When someone yelled, blow out the candles, she asked if she could just keep it, not wanting anyone to eat it. She said, I live just around the corner. If you're okay, I'd like to take the cake home and I'll be right back. When she walked out, the place was deathly quiet. Without thinking, I simply said, can we pray? Again, an odd request, but no one argued. I prayed for Agnes. I prayed that she would know the love of Jesus and that her life would never change. When I finished, the guy behind the counter said, hey, you never told me you were a preacher. What kind of church do you belong to? He said, without thinking again, I simply said, I belong to the kind of church that throws parties for hookers at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> it was then the guy behind the counter sneered and said, don't miss this. No, you don't. If there was a church like that, I'd join it. Wouldn't we all? Makes no sense. But that's the love of God and the love that he offers. You see, we're the hookers. 
Isn't that what sin is? Having an affair in your marriage with God? Isn't that what happens when we're behind closed doors and we're looking at pornography? Aren't we cheating on God? When we're talking about someone else behind their back and we're beating them up of how they failed or messed up or they let you down, isn't that having adultery on God? And you know what God says? I still love you. Makes no sense. I don't get it. How many times have I stumbled and every time I look up, God's hand is right there. He says, it's all right. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. You know, the Jesuit priest Howard Gray was right when he says, God's love makes no sense if you use the criteria of this world to explain it. But when you get Yahweh... So if you have an addiction to alcohol, welcome home. You're loved. If you have an addiction to pornography, welcome home. You're loved. If you chase things you shouldn't be chasing, trying to find some kind of title, welcome home. You're loved. I don't care where you've been, what you've done. You're home. And God loves you. I love you. If you have a problem with anything I just said, welcome home. You're loved. We'll take judgmental Pharisees and Sadducees just as well. All right? God bless you. His love is indescribable so different from anything the world can ever offer. It makes no sense, but man, it can make all the difference in your world. Here's number three. I want to invite the team out. God's love is inseparable. It's going nowhere ever. It's right here, right now. I don't know if you remember when you were a kid and you'd, you'd take your hands and hold them as tight as you could and you'd play that little game where someone had to try to pull them apart, prime them apart. You ever done that? I love doing that in a nursery with four-month-olds. Four and uh, <laughs> and I was like, go ahead, pull the pastor's hands apart. It makes me feel good because I never lose. Um, but, but God's love, that's God's love. Jeremiah 31 says, I have loved you with an everlasting. Do you know what that word means? An unending, eternal. And here's what's crazy. You ready for this? In, in, the, in the original language, Everlasting is not an adjective describing God's love. The word everlasting is a noun. It's the substance. When he says, I have an everlasting love, that's not a description of my love. That's, that's, that's who I am, everlasting. It's inseparable. It'll never end. I ain't going anywhere. And that's what we just read. Paul, nothing, nothing can separate us in all of creation, nothing from the love of Christ. Listen to the words of Elsie Fitzpatrick. She says, if we are not completely convinced that his love is ours right now, fully and unalterable, 
Ready for this? We will always hide in the shadows. We'll be focused on our performance, always fearing his wrath. For we are each one more sinful and flawed than we ever dare believed. Isn't that true? But we are more loved and welcomed than we can ever dare hope. And this is the mission of the church and what we're flipping all summer. When I say things like, I don't want church to be about in here. This isn't the church. When people say, well, why'd we close our doors? We never closed our doors. Oh, a building was closed. We'll be. Some of you watch Michael Todd. Michael Todd's church down in Oklahoma still hasn't opened. They still haven't opened. And they've been growing. I'm like, I want that church. There's a part of me wished we wouldn't have opened the doors. Why? Someone explain to me why we need this room. When we have each other's homes, we have each other's phones, we have each other's emails, we have each other's social medias. You bet it does. But we can be that people even outside of here, can't we? But you know where we need to be as people? Out there. That's why I want our people, I want, to, I want to, all summer we're going to talk about how do, we, how do we go there? And then everything we own, this needs to serve the city. We don't need this room, the lights off, Monday through Friday. We need Monday through Friday, this room to be the most busiest. So we're asking the question, how do we take this facility and serve our city? What are the needs? We need to make it happen. We need to make it happen, whatever that looks like. See, we need to show people that their lives make absolutely no sense and have absolutely no meaning until they grasp the larger story, the story of who and what God really is all about. It's not the story of Hollywood. It's not the story of Wall Street. It's not the story of the White House or Mickey Mouse. It's not the story of the United States and freedom. It's the story of Jesus. And in that story, the world will know that there is a God, a God who loves them unconditionally, unimaginably, and inseparably. Amen? I want, I want to illustrate. Come on up here, Jonathan. I just want you to take one of these in each hand. I want you to stand right here. I, I know the tug of wars because I've lived them in my life and they're so exhausting. The things that we attach to what we think Christianity ought to be where we don't get the trust, we got to please him. What are you, you going to do to God that's going to please him? I mean, what are you going to do? Hey God, look at this. And somehow he's kind of like, whoa, I've never seen that before. In fact, I wonder if he'll say this. I've got one for you. Die on a cross and rise from the dead. Oh, you can? Oh, I knew that. But I did. Because I love you. 
See, I want to show you what happens that we don't even realize when we, when we grasp things in the wrong understanding. So I'm going to ask Joseph to come up. I'm going to ask Chris to come up. I want you to take that knot. Just hold on to it, Chris. And Joseph, I just want you to start pulling on that a little bit. You know where God, if God knew that I watched pornography, he does. Boy, if God knew the thoughts I had, he does. God, I'm so unworthy. I, I mess things up. He knows that. But we keep trying to like, oh, I can do this. God, I, I can do this. I can do this. And then on over here, people begin to pull on you and, and they begin to it, it sometimes laugh at you or they, they want to pull you in the wrong direction. And we feel this tug of war, don't we? Man, I want to do what God wants. And man, but I, God, I don't, I don't understand. And I want you to notice what's happening. I want you to notice what's happening. Watch what's happening when you think that you can do it on your own strength, when you think that somehow that it's about you and that you've got to impress God, you've got to please God. You start taking the form of Jesus and you start thinking you're the martyr you think you're Jesus and you don't even realize it and I think there's so much of this it's exhausting we could sit here and do this for 15-20 minutes and I'll guarantee you Jonathan will start going can we stop and yet we don't, do we? Behind closed doors. <sighs> and here's what God's wanting to do. It's okay, John. Just let it go, Jonathan. Just let it go, buddy. Listen, just it's okay. It's okay. Come on. Let's just go. You are not alone. You are not alone. I've gone before you. I am not against you. You are not alone. You are not alone. I'll forever go before you. I can never be against you. It'll be all right. I know it's hard to let go, Jonathan. It'll be all right. I know you feel sometimes that you're not the husband you need to be. It'll be all right. I know sometimes you feel as a dad, as a son, as a friend, it'll be all right. I know sometimes in the darkness of those nights and the thoughts that go through your mind, it'll be all right. I will not fail you. I'm never against you. You're never alone. It'll be all right. I'm the Lord God who can ever fathom my greatness overwhelming victory is yours. It'll be all right. Father, I know that there's some in this room right now. They're tired of battles that they can never win. They're tired of fighting with strength they do not have. They 
feel like failures. God, I want to stop. I can't. And what they need to hear right now is, let's not talk about that. Just hear me. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. I'm not going anywhere. I promise you, I'm right here. I know there'll be some, even in my name, who will come and they'll play judge and they'll play jury and they want to think that somehow that they think they have the power and they have the right to talk, but you need to know, I'll take care of them, but I just want you to know it'll be all right. I got you. I will never speak a word against you. I will never let my glory fade. It'll be all right. That's what Paul said in the previous chapter. God, why do I do the things I don't want to do? Why do I, why do I want to do these things, but I won't do them? I don't understand, God. And at the very end of the chapter, he says, it'll be all right. Overwhelming victory is ours. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. Church, our word this week, look up here when you leave is Yahweh. We do not know actually how it's pronounced, just so you know that. The Hebrew people didn't know how it was pronounced. They just had four letters. We're the ones that actually put in the vowels, but here's the deal. The reason that we wanted to spell it the way it was originally written is because I'm asking you to make the vowel. You let the one between the lines. I want you to put this in your dashboard and wherever you go, you just see, it'll be all right. God is for me. He's not against me. Overwhelming victory is mine. Amen to that. When you leave, when you leave, we have a bracelet that just says rethink. I'm wearing mine. I've been wearing it for a long time. And I just want you to know, we got loads of these. You can pass them out to friends. You can pass them out to whoever you want. Anybody want one of these? Huh? You can help me. Here you go. All right. You help me out a little bit. Oh, look at that. I got a whole crew down here. There you go. There you go. I hope this series is helping you rethink what matters. God is for us. He's never against us. Overwhelming victory is ours. Amen. Look at someone right now and say, God loves you. Would you do that? Look at someone right now. God loves you. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.